When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Final Fantasy Weekly. I'm Drew Kreisman. And I'm Ira Kreisman. And on this episode, we continue and perhaps conclude our conversation on the plot, at least, of Final Fantasy Tactics. When last we left our heroes, the High Confessor of the Church of Glabados was bleeding out on the floor. Because <laughs> that's the yeah. kind of story this is. Oof. And I think it's interesting that he's such a big player in the politics of the War of the Lions. But again, this story isn't really about the War of the Lions, right? It's about Ramza and how he interacts with the people around him and tries to protect the people he loves. So this is the first time we see him on screen and he's stabbed to death almost. Yeah. He gets one scene. Well, actually, a little bit of a spoiler. He's going to get another one here in a minute, but that's it. <laughs> One and one-third scenes. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, so Ramza, if you will recall, the hero of our tale, has are now arrived on the scene. He's finally come to the seat of power for the church to the city of Melande, or the castle of Melande. Sometimes it's a little unclear. Uh, and like we've said before, it can also be difficult to keep all these things together in your head geographically and, and all of that. But... The important thing is that he's gone straight to the church now because he is under the understanding that they have his sister and he's going to Lord Fulmarv, who he believes and, and is correct in believing is more or less running the show as far as the secret cult of the church goes. And they're the ones who just killed the High Confessor, letting us know that, you know, they're not all in this together. And so Ramza arrives and says to the, the people at the gates, Ira, my name is Ramza Baelv. I petition the release of Alma Bale, whose person is held unlawfully by the Lord Commander of the Knights Templar. Yeah, and he's going to file the proper paperwork, and he's yeah. going <laughs> to... There is a judge around here somewhere, right, with yellow cards and red cards, and they're going <laughs> to make sure that everything is fairly done. Uh, yeah, I love that he says he petitions, as though he couldn't just murder everybody here if he wanted to, because right. he's way higher level, right? Like, if, if this were a true meritocracy... Whomever has the most classes mastered would be the king. Right, <laughs> right, right. And that's why Ramza essentially gets to win out the rest of the way here, right? Is that he's got the powerful magic stones and all the Final Fantasy classes, and he is the highest level, and so he wins. And that's kind of why I love this, too, because a plain reading of it might be like, why is he being so, like, formal or even kind of, like, nice to these people? But when you look at exactly what he's saying, he's saying, She's being held unlawfully by the Lord Commander of the Knights Templar. That's not just a thing you say in this world. So he actually is being, he's basically, like you said, trying to be nice for a minute, knowing full well that they're not going to be back, and then he is going to take matters into his own hands, which is exactly what happens. Right. It, it's sort of, he, he's covering his bases, because what if, what if somebody here did say, oh, wait, she's being held unlawfully? 
sure. our mistake. <laughs> Let's go through the proper process. Like there are probably still people like that in this world sure. who would do things correctly, but they've all been you know, shoved into the back corners of whatever and, and aren't allowed to make decisions. So you do it, you try to do it right first. And then when the, you know, the, the jackbooted thugs try right. to beat your brains in, you show them the power of having access to all the Final Fantasy classes. <laughs> right. So his petition is denied, but his sword is not. <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent turn of phrase. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and, and so he forces his way into the castle and finally into a confrontation with Falmarv. And remember, Falmarv's daughter, Melia Duel, now travels with us as a companion. And Falmarv says, Ramza, at last we meet. Pray forgive me. I ought to have called upon you sooner, but I have been ever so busy of late. I fear I remain, uh, I fear I remain so even now, so let us make this brief. If you would see your sister returned alive, you will relinquish the scriptures and all of the orosite you possess. Refuse, and she dies. Simple as that, right? Sure. Give up all your leverage, and we promise to treat you fairly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Ramza replies, I have what you desire. Where is Alma? I've got all that stuff. I'm not, but I surrender not, he says, until she is brought before me. And now we do, speaking of leverage, that's the right word here, right? Who does have the leverage in this conversation? Because Fulmar just states plainly again, as he's done so often throughout the story, you know, I offered no negotiable terms, he says. Forfeit the scriptures and the stones, or forfeit your sister's life. Now, we know if we've either played the game before or we're reading between the lines in the conversation that Fulmarv and Elmdor had before that they intend to use Alma as a vessel for their demonic god. Right. Right? And so that's why Fulmar believes he has all the leverage because he has no intention of ever giving up Alma no matter what. They're going to kill her and that's why you don't negotiate with terrorists or you know whatever phrase you want to use right. there. So Ramza does an interesting thing where he steps forward and he puts the scriptures down on the floor. It says, here are these, but I've, I'm holding the stones until I see that she is safe. Yeah, that's really interesting. If it were me, I would have spent all the time between when I got the scriptures and now making a copy. There's no Xerox <laughs> sure. machines, right? But like I would have, right. I would have mastered that scribe class and and mm -hmm. would have made copies already yeah so that's i i like this this is interesting because you don't you don't give up all the things right you don't give up all your leverage and he doesn't know about necessarily the you know sacrificing the his sister to to bring forth the blood angel ultima weapon deity but he's not an idiot i mean it, it may seem like it sometimes but he's not an idiot He's just been caught up, right. and, and his his good nature has been taken advantage of several times. So I like that he gives up half of the leverage. Right. But he holds on to the half that's going to make him uh, very difficult to defeat in battle. <laughs> right. Or that would give them more allies back, right? Like right. if they were able to find a new vessel for a Dremelec or whatever, but if they right. had the stone, then yeah, that, that there's, a, there's a strategic sense made here right 
So Lawfrey, you'll remember another one of the important members of the cult, steps forward and, and takes the scriptures and says something mysterious and vague and creepy about a surprisingly simple incantation. Uh-oh. Nah. Maybe you gave up the wrong piece. I'm telling you, man, <laughs> yeah, don't right? give up the book. I know. <laughs> and then Falmar says, excellent, kill them. You know, duh. And Ramda says, we are deceived, which, dude. Uh, Come on, man. Uh, but again, he, he yeah. And and so they fight. Sure. Uh, there, there's a lot, yeah. You think Ramza knew they were about to be deceived, right? Like, he, I just got done saying he's not an idiot. Was I wrong? <laughs> right. It's a trap. <laughs> which, which I think he's just, you know, saying to his companions, like, in case anyone thought there was a deal on. Uh, but, yeah, the, of, I, I wouldn't dare to edit what I, I think is the most remarkable script probably in the franchise. But I might have just taken that one line out because I feel like by this point, Ramza's not so naive to have not known that this was going to be a trap and that this was going to be a fight. And so in the back and forth with Falmarv, you know, he, he now has the, the confrontation with his daughter, Nelia Duel, And, you know, it's that, are you truly the father that I've always known? And, you know, you should join me on the dark side. And, you know, right. that. Right. <laughs> and, uh, Melia Duel brings up like the stones turning people into monsters and Falmarv basically does that. How dare you call me a fascist? I mean, how <laughs> dare you call me a monster? Uh, and then she gets to give the Obi-Wan Kenobi line. Then it is true. You are not my father. My friend died long ago. My friend uh, is truly dead. Yeah. What a good show. They did such a good job with that. Didn't they? Oh, man. Wasn't that good? Yeah, we'll have to do another. <laughs> There's another podcast oh, we have goodness, to do. Goodness. I feel like yeah. enough words have been spoken about Star Wars that we can leave that one to others. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and then they teleport away. And Ramza, again, a little bit of that naivete shining through, says they are even more craven than I thought. Like How? What level of craven? And, but again, <laughs> I kind of understand that in this world. Right? It's like, I'm even shocked at how shocked I am by this guy continuing to do shockingly horrible things. Right, so, right. Fair well, enough. Well, and there's something to be said for running when you know you can't win or you've got a different goal, right? Like they're still trying to summon the blood seraph. Do you remember, right. speaking of things we should talk about, you remember Three Ninjas? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. There's a thing Grandpa says at the beginning of the movie and then again at the end. Do not pick a fight that you cannot win. Right? So their goal right. is not necessarily to kill Ramza at all here. Right. So they retreat to what their goal is. And it's to, of course, the creepy religious room of symbolism and cult stuff. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> to do creepy things with a sarcophagus and... <laughs> You know, ancient daggers and talking about fate and stuff. And Falmar summons a great number of beasts to be by his side for the creepy ceremony. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. And then Ramza, you know, keeps battling his way through the castle and discovers them. And I'm like, what are you guys doing in here? <laughs> right, <laughs> so right. And at this point, really we know, right? Because we've seen yeah. all these secret meetings between the various Templarate cult members. So we know about the summoning of the demons. And Ramza's, like, only seen part of it. Right. And then, like Argoth before him, 
but with even more complicated emotions, Falmarv revives Ramza's middle brother, Zalbog. Or revives is maybe the wrong word. Brings back to some version of life in a ghostly, demonic form. Right. Because <laughs> they've got some power over undeath. And remember, we didn't see Zalbag killed, right? He was sort of teleported away by the demon right. version of Dice Dark. Right. So then this is really messed up because then you have to fight and battle Ramza's brother, who was maybe the better one the less evil one <laughs> the one who was coming around by the end and he was so close all he if he had apologized for killing titra and really meant it and really tried to atone he could have been a member of the group yeah but he didn't quite get there also he killed titra god damn it we cannot forget <laughs> also that, that. yeah Ugh. right uh, but you know rams is trying to get through to him and zalbog is basically talking like a zombie and like, just, I have no sensation. I have no limbs. I am lost in the, you know, it's like, oh man, this is, uh, it, this is messed up. So unfortunately, got to kill brother again. <sighs> and Fulmarv even makes the uh, quip about Ramza being a heretic and now for certain a kinslayer. Uh, Both technically true. I, yeah, fine. <laughs> but also, I don't know, if your kin are a bunch of fascist, classist, doesn't matter if you kill the common people assholes. Yeah. Then call me a kinslayer, I guess. Yeah. And in his final words, Zalbog does get some lucidity here and, and he asks for forgiveness from Ramza and has and admits to having caused him pain and, and Alma, uh, but he doesn't mention Tetra. Yeah, so. god damn it. If yeah. it would be much more tragic if if he also said and Titra. Yeah. Or Dalita. If he if yeah. he just mentioned that, yeah, the commoners matter too. He even in yeah. Undeath he doesn't quite get there. Right. Right. So once again Falmarv has teleported himself away much further this time. Uh and Ramza is basically left to wander through the church that's been now completely abandoned. And uh he, he of course gets to the throne room finds the high confessor bleeding out there and luckily for some plot stuff still has a few uh bits of breath and and like the elder simon at the at an earlier point in the game in his dying breaths gives ramza some important information so that he can go and win the video game <laughs> and he basically just tells them the long and short of it is he says they've gone to orbone their ultimate creepy demon ceremony will take place in the depths of Orbone Monastery, under which there's all this creepy stuff. So go find that, buddy. Bye. Good luck. <laughs> Dead. Yeah. Have fun storming a castle. Yeah. And and I think I said this last time, but I really appreciate that the story starts with uh, Ovelia being kidnapped by Talita at Orbone, and it ends with rescuing Alma at Orbone. Like the, Yeah. You talked about when we go back there and you didn't realize, oh, there's actually this giant library underneath the monastery. But there's even right. more than that, right? So that, that goes back to the uh, the metaphor of the iceberg, right? You only see the tip of things. You only see what uh, is presented to you until you're, you're able to dig deeper because you gain a greater understanding of the world. 
oh, now I realize there's all these libraries under here, too, and they're very well organized, which I appreciate. And hang on, there's a seal under this monastery also, and it's holding back this giant ancient evil? Like, so the more you know, the more you're able to dig. Uh, and I just, I love that as a metaphor. Yeah, I, I do too. And it gets very eternal darkness, sanity's requiem from here on out. <laughs> for anyone that doesn't understand that reference please google it and play that game if you can um <laughs> so uh now ramza you know arrives at a, again we're going to go quickly through this sure, surely there was some time it took to travel and all of that but he gets to orbone he starts going through the depths as he has done before he gets to the fourth level down which is as far down as we knew basically existed before and we find there lawfrey and we're basically going to go through each member of the cult now and have a confrontation. Um, but this one is basically about uncovering that seal that Ira was talking about. And so we, you know, after a little bit of back and forth, Lafrey is, is doing the, inc the incantation, presumably the one they needed from the scriptures. And so no good creepy cult is complete without, you know weird chanting of Falcio Dianda Zoda Mufima Right, right. Huh? <laughs> yeah. And the hoods right. and the cloaks and yeah. the darkness and the yeah. candlelight. Right. And then all the blue light fills up the room and Falmarv and the creepy people who are with him you know, presumably they, they disappear presumably deeper into the depths and Ramza is able to follow because you know also now has <laughs> all the magical powers in the secret seal and um, then there's this confrontation with Lafrey right in this conversation Ramza says to Lafrey essentially you know this is you are no mortal man what is going on here because remember he, he still doesn't fully get it though we the audience do and it's we can't fault ramza for not fully understanding what's going on here even though to this point in the story it's pretty clear to us and falmarv said or and lafrey says that falmarv has made it possible for him to leave behind the ignorance and the frailty of flesh he says i am given the gift of eternal life a joy you can never know which then makes me wonder, how long have these guys been doing this? How long has Lafrey been alive? Like, or some version of him? Or is it just, again, we've talked before about how much are they themselves? How much are their consciousnesses overtaken by the stones they carry? And all that stuff. But, again, because we are good at the video game and have all of the best magical rocks, we defeat Lafrey in battle. He says some super <laughs> epic, mostly nonsense in his dying words but does throw open the gates of hell, I suppose, essentially, for us to continue down into the Necra Hall. It's like, yeah. <laughs> back to your... <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds like a great point. Yeah. Um, the, the Hall of, of Necroness, the Hall of Necromancers, the Death Hall of... It's a big, long room, and death yeah. happens here. Therefore, Necro Hall. Yeah. And since... You know, Lafrey is, is about to die. He just teleports us all down there and he says to Ramza, Well, that's it. You will never again see the skies of Ivelisse. You know, I may be dying and, and I may be trapped down here, but now so are you. So he says, There's no way to turn back now. I guess all you can do is try and go and find your sister. 
and Ramza goes, oh, right, all this demonic weird stuff. I'm literally now plunging into the depths of hell to save my sister. What a badass. Yeah, it's cool. Good for him. Yeah. Also, obvious shades of, like, Dante and stuff like that going on here, right? <laughs> right, absolutely. Or uh, Orpheus going into the underworld to try to save Eurydice, though he screws up at the end and looks back when he wasn't supposed to and loses her. Ah, Damn it, Orpheus. Yeah. So Ramza continues through the weird depths of nonsense and comes upon another member of the cult. Cletien, Cletine, that we never landed on a pronunciation for this guy's name. And here we get from him, finally, basically a statement of their goals. We we knew this from inferring from Elmdor and Fulmarv earlier, but now Rams is asking questions. Where's Fulmarv gone? And I guess they're no longer in need of playing any of the games. He just says outright, hey, we seek to resurrect our lord and master, the High Seraph, or rather to awaken him. From the imperfect state in which his former host's death has left him. Lord Falmarv makes for the place of our master's soul now dwells. Where our master's soul now dwells. The place where Saint Ajora met his end. Hang on. The hero of legend was was one of these hosts? He hosted right? the, the High Seraph? He was a demon? I've been praying right. to him all my life, but he, he was actually a demon? Oh, man. Now I have to question here. everything. Right. So more fighting, more fighting, more fighting. And once again, Ramza is just cutting his way through. <laughs> just mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. taking out cult members one at a time. Let the end. He dead too. And then there's a huge flash of light off in the distance. Ramza infers... I should probably go that way <laughs> and heads off and comes upon another member of the cult. And it's Barich. Remember the guy who's basically responsible for all the poisoning and stuff. So again, there's a bit of back and forth here. It's very similar to a lot of what we've talked about throughout the game and, and Barich basically saying, Hey, I'm basically a God among men. Now that I am Luke Coffey. I am the greatest and I have, power and why would you want anything less than that and then Ramza finally gets to say to one of these people though it doesn't really matter and I don't know why to Barich but someone may as well say it out loud (laughs) he says you think freedom a thing bought and sold what value a freedom you have not earned a man who's lost his pride can never be free You surrendered your own freedom the moment you bowed your head to someone undeserving. Freedom and equality cannot be bartered. They are rights. Rights earned with sweat and toil and blood. Freedom is no raiment of Lukavi weave. They tell you to wear your cloth of gold, but in truth you stand more naked as before. Excellent. And I want to draw two parallels here. One is a gameplay parallel in that these guys, the bad guys are getting their power by selling their souls to the Lukavi, to demons, to evil, and then merging with them and gaining power that way. But our guys, they have done the RPG grind, right? They have defeated enemies, earned experience, spent the, the job points to 
to master the various jobs. Like our guys have gained their power the hard way, and the, the, the bad guys have gained their power by selling their souls. So there's a gameplay element comment there, but also freedom is no raiment of Lukavi weave, right? You'd, freedom is not a cloth you wear, you know, based upon selling your soul. And, and then he does the, the emperor has no clothes line, right? In truth, you stand more naked as before. So it's yeah. you, you sell your, your loyalty to these people, the, these beings that are going to subjugate everybody. That makes you weak. You have no pride, right? You have no freedom. You have no equality. Right. We declare these rights self-evident. <laughs> yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. we, we already had them and you sold yourself. You hoard yourself out to, to literal evil and therefore you've got nothing and they don't get it. They don't understand. They think that they've gained power by doing what they've done. They've given themselves up and now they're controlled more strongly than ever they were before. And hey, society sucks here, right? I get it. Delete is not wrong. Let's burn it down and build anew. But this is not going to be the way to do it. Yeah. There's also something to, you know, what happens next, which is like the others, he's all, they're all very confused about the fact that they can die. They thought they were supposed to be immortal. Right. Which means they've been lied to as well. And also that, you know, the, the sort of symbolic, you know, if we want to get, Greek on there about you know the hubris and why do, does a mere mortal keep besting these legendary beasts in battle and perhaps part of it is that Ramza knows that at any moment he could die and he doesn't believe going into these battles that he is incapable of being bested and they do and that is part of the reason why they all fall pride comes before the fall and all of that so then the stones essentially send Ramza in the direction of the final confrontation, which takes place in this super bizarre looking, like ambiguous space of kind of purple and black and white light. And in the middle of that sort of strange purgatory is this demonic looking ship like a you know a big like a sail sail ship sailboat ship <laughs> but without any sails on it man you got those nautical and terms down well done i do i've learned so much doing this show <laughs> about my boats in those early days of the final fantasy final fantasy one on the boat uh and uh, if you'll recall from earlier in the story, there had been talks of ancient times and an airship graveyard. So if you put those things together, you get that this is kind of what that is. Right? The airship graveyard, which is a cool name for a place. And standing there on the ship is Falmarv, and with him is an unconscious... Alma Bale. So this is what we've come for, right? Kill Fulmarv, grab our sister, and let's get out of here, right? Unless things get really weird. <laughs> no chance of that. This first bit isn't surprising. Fulmarv says some cryptic stuff. Uh, can't get Virgo to awaken at first, and 
thinks that maybe something is amiss, but uh, you know he's trying to get Saint Azura to take the body of of Alma, and it's it's not happening, right? It's, for whatever reason, it's not working, and this is where we find Falmarv as Ramza arrives on the scene and says precisely what you would think. You know, release my sister. We are ending this now. Right. I, I think it's particularly interesting that the stone of the blood seraph, St. Ajora, is Virgo, because Virgo is the virgin in, uh, in the Western Zodiac. And virginity as a concept is often tied to women because, you know, patriarchy and, and a sexist society. Women aren't allowed to have sex, whereas men are expected to. Uh, so right. I think that's interesting. But also there's a purity aspect that comes from, uh, expectation that comes from the word Virgo or virgin. And Alma is a, I think that her uh, intentions are pure. And I think that is is especially interesting. Purity, again, being one of those words that has a lot of uh, sexist connotations to it. But having a pure intention is interesting and potentially admirable. I think Alma really does just want to be a, a good follower of her religion and help people the best she can and live her life in service to others. And I think that's especially cool. So that then the Lukavi of St. Ajora, the Lukavi of the blood seraph, would find that a suitable host is fascinating. That makes me wonder why the Roth would find the host it chose to be particularly suitable. Was it because their values aligned or because their values were dichotomous, right? Maybe two sides of the same coin. Uh, They never get into it uh, from, from that aspect, from that angle, but I think that's fascinating. Yeah, that's something that in our remake or adaptation or, or whatever we would dive deeper into, right? Because, yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. But Falmarv, you know, does more cryptic speaking and talking about the land, has drunk deep of blood and starts talking about how St. Ajora covets more, so be it once more, the world of light, there to steep the earth in blood's sweet rain. Uh, what? Ugh. So he basically is concluding now that, yeah, he's got to spill a bunch of blood in order for this to work. And, hey, look, there's some. We've, we've got blood, so <laughs> he... <laughs> These mortals have plenty of blood. Let it loose. Lots of blood. So as you would expect, he finally takes out his stone, Libra, and transforms himself into Hashmal, the bringer of order, which is a great big lion. Cool. It's kind of cool. The Lukavi <laughs> look cool, I gotta admit. Yeah. And then, like all of them, the second they change, the first words out of their mouth are just Necronomicon gobbledygook. It's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, angel of blood and all things you I serve. No wine more deep, no searing coal more hot than this. The crimson blood for you I spill. Who talks like that? <laughs> <laughs> Lukavi talk like that. Luke, apparently Lukavi talk. And like apparently, that. I can't remember if we mentioned this before, but someone, uh, I think in the Discord or maybe on Twitter, was talking about how the Lukavi speak in a very specific verse. Right? Like They've got a specific yes. rhythm, which is fascinating uh, and would yeah. make writing them extraordinarily difficult. Right. 
Ramza calls out for his sister and says, Alma, I'm coming for you. Cast off this sleep. And Hashmal says, She will not awaken to your vile speech. Your speech my, is vile, My buddy. vile speech? Yeah, right? Come on. Come on. But again, once more, Ramza is able to best Hashmal in battle. If you've been following along, you probably saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> And again, very surprised that that he's lost at this point. But uh, then, with just remarkable timing, Virgo does begin to stir, and Alma wakes up. I wonder what took it so long. My guess is, my hope is, that Alma has been fighting it off all this time. We never get it. It'd have been cool if there had been a scene. Like we delve into right. her psyche and like the her psychic version of herself, right? Her will battles the will of, of the blood seraph. Uh, right. That would have been cool, but we don't, we don't get that. I don't know if that's just a function of we only had so much time. We're trying to focus on Ramza, or if, you know, the, the women don't get a lot to do in this story, and that's a function of the right. world of Ivelisse. But I also wonder, like it. In, of Game Mice. of Thrones has a very similar problem, and right. people have been talking about that again, where it's like, in certain ways, accurate to depict it that way. In other ways, it's frustrating that we end up robbing these characters of agency, especially as you're pointing out here, when there's a moment where you could very easily have given it to them. Right. And and there's an aspect of, of Mice and Men, which we teach to 10th graders every year. Curly's wife does not get a name. She's just Curly's wife. And she plays yeah. a big role. Uh, and then her death plays a big role. But she never gets a name. So is that a function of our author, of Steinbeck, saying, well, I'm making a point here. Or did Steinbeck just not think to give her a name? Yeah. So she says, where am I? And Ramza, you know, double-checking. Is it truly you? <laughs> uh-huh. And Hashmal's not going to let this happen. says, we have come too far to taste defeat now. And then he says, Angel of blood, that you should rise my life, I gladly give. And then he kills himself because he's that much of a cultist believer, I guess. Right. So even the the Lukavi, not just the, the human Templarate who are in the cult, but the Lukavi are, are in the cult you know, a cult of personality here, right? Like, you are so much more important than me. I will gladly die, even as an immortal demonic being. Right. Ooh, like, you know, what... Very much to Ramza's point about how you've lost all your freedoms, haven't right. you? Right. And and again, not just the human to the, the Lukavi, but the Lukavi to the Blood Seraph. The, right. the psychology of the demons would be fascinating to delve into. Right. And so, as Hashmal destroys himself... The Virgo stone begins to react. There's a bright light that fills up the entire screen. Alma screams out in horror and or pain and is transformed into Saint Azura. She still kind of looks like herself, but there's like a, it's like one of those uh, exorcist (laughs) demon in there very clearly, you know, and Saint Azura speaks through Alma and says, I am come once more. And everybody goes, oh no. 
So then we get one of these scenes where, you know, they're making, just to break our hearts even more, they're making it clear that Alma is still in there somewhere. There's like a clear struggle and, and the lights flashing and, you know, Saint Ajora now, as it says, but it's saying, Ramza, please help me. Like, what? What? Oh, <laughs> you know, so he's yelling for Alma. She's in there somewhere. And she's going, no, no, don't. And we're like, don't what? And then more huge lights and blue flame engulfs everything. And and then we have to battle our sister as a demon for a moment, which is super heartbreaking. But, you know, we win the battle again, of course. And Alma is like separated from St. Ajora for a moment and appears to be relatively unharmed. But says, you know, you, you've got to kill Ajora. Ajora then, as any good final boss would do, uh, summons a bunch of demons to her side, and the battle commences. During the battle, or in phases, you know, this is one of those Final Fantasy final battles where there's multiple phases, or, sure. you know, there's several, <laughs> sort of keeps happening, right? But during what th this epic fight, right? After we're not being defeated, there is another blinding light that comes upon Ajora, and she transforms again, this time into Ultima, the High Seraph. She's this enormous figure, towers over everyone else, and is dressed all in red, and huge white wings and white hair, and just this kind of amazing spectacle to behold. And it's really, really cool. But there's not much else to say about that beyond, and then, once again, you defeat her in battle. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I, I think, speaking of gender expectations, we were speaking of that, right? Yeah. Sure. That, that Saint Ajora was a man, Alma Bale was a woman, and Ultima, the Death Seraph, couldn't care less about gender, right? Like, I think that is pretty interesting. If they had succeeded... If the Templarate had succeeded and become the rulers of Iblis through the power of the Lukavi, it, you know, St. Ajora's successor or the new body of St. Ajora would have been that of a woman. And so I think right. that's cool, too. Um, and, and going back to the conversation of what does St. Ajora or what does the Virgo stone see in Alma, that it is able to use her as a vessel that it also saw in St. Ajora. We know the, the history the legend of Saint Ajora is a lie, and Ajora Glabados was as much a, a spy as anything else. So I I wonder what what qualities the Lukavi see in people or need in people in order to break through to the the physical realm. Uh, and so what are the the qualities that Alma has that Ajora also had, or is that even how they see things? Maybe it's just genetics or hair color or something else entirely but it would be interesting to know yeah and and we get a little bit more on that and there there is a nice moment here where after having to fight her a moment ago and after her taking one of the phases out presumably recovering from that alma does join you in this final confrontation against ultima which is really really cool uh, so brother and sister fight side by side you defeat Ultima, and, and then to your point, again, like all the others, she's very surprised. Impossible. How, how is it possible that you've defeated me? But again, you were no immortal, unbeatable god either. None of you were. As Was it Wygraf or 
whoever said earlier in the story, all such tales are false. They're all embellished stories. And so you are defeated. And then she says, in you, Ramza, his blood, my vanquisher in times long past. And so, again, that sort of gets to your point that there's something. And and that's always a difficult thing in these fantasy stories, too, where, like, the bloodlines have some sort of magical power. There's something special that, that runs in his veins. But so much of Ramza's story has been about rejecting the things he's supposed to be just because of who his father and brothers are. And the fact that it's maybe his mother, who was of common birth, that is one of the main things that set Ramza down a different path and so it's interesting that he and and then presumably therefore also Alma would carry some of the blood of the ancient vanquisher of these times and so there's a cyclical thing to it which a lot of sort of religious stories do right sure sure and I I do want to I would like for stories to break away from the bloodline being so important but it is still kind of interesting to think of how our ancestors might have also fought against uh, oppression, slavery, fascism. Sure. So, yeah, that, that somehow someone in, in Ramza and Alma's past also fought against Saint Ajora slash the Blood Seraph. Yeah, I like it. So then, pretty interestingly, and n- not uncommon for a final, final fantasy fight, <laughs> easy for you to say, uh, you know, then there's a big explosion when Ultima finally dies, right? And the way the camera just fades out, it just sort of leaves us there for a minute. Like, okay, did Ramza and his sister and all of their companions, Meliodul and Sidolphus Orlando and Agrius and mages Rafa and Mark, right? Did all of those people die? And it, it just sort of fades out, right? And I'm like, oh, but okay. And then when we come back in, we're at a cemetery. And this is our, our final couple scenes of the game. And we see a group of mourners around a grave. And a priest begins to speak, invoking the very beginning of the game once more. Saying, blessings of the great father descend. It's like, oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> priest continues guide your body's return to the earth. May the grace of Saint Ajora lead Alma's soul to the eternal shores of paradise. You know, that parasite that just right. took over her body for a minute and like this is the name in which we are laying her soul to rest. And, and so it's fascinating that they're still invoking that name, right? But nobody knows but they except don't know. us. Yeah. Right, they don't know. Yeah. So it's just, God, that's good writing to just have it laid so bare before us and then go back to the people who don't know. And then we get a little bit of dialogue as the mourners are are kind of leaving. And, you know, the first says, she was so young. And the second, I think, makes a really great point here and says, you know, for all of the children of the house to be taken at once gods are cruel again from their outside perspective they don't know any of the internal things that happened or that the two eldest may have deserved it in many ways to them it's just house bail one of the most noble 
houses in the land that stood for good and truth, justice, right. and the Evolution way. And there's yeah, and, and so I made the point an episode or three ago, like all these people in power are dying. There's only one left, right? Uh, Lara Goltana, Marcel the the Pope, uh, Elmdor, like Falmar of the Templarit, they're all gone. They're all gone. Yeah. And yet, like you just said, the, the true and righteous Baal family is dead. Sidolphus Orlando is dead. Right? right. They're all gone. And especially for this particular house. But that's how, like, the, the, uh, the heroic nature, the heroic history will then be written, right? Because nobody knows about Dystarg and Zalbag having their sword duel in, in the house, right? In the fortress. Right. Right. Or that Dystart killed his father. Right. right. You know, they don't know these things. God. They just see all of them dead and it's and it's tragic. And in a way it still is, just not in the way they think. Right. So even in death, the story of the the family history has to be maintained. Like even in death, uh, Argath's classist nonsense about maintaining the pride of whatever has to be maintained. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. And part of that, the third mourner mentions, the youngest son, Ramza, denied even a burial. Such tragedy. Because he was a heretic. Again, these people only know the public story. And so, yeah, the, and the final one just puts the, the bow on it. You know, for three centuries, House Bale stood, but no more. And they leave. And then after uh, a little bit of time, we kind of linger in a very Hayao Miyazaki way on the stillness for a moment. And then Oran and Valmafra appear hey, at the top of the screen. Valmafra's not dead. Delita didn't Hooray! kill him. That's nice. A couple of people that lived, and yeah, Delita didn't murder Valmafra. Hooray. And so, you know, they've come to pay their respects and say as much, and... You know, Oran remarks that he would have come sooner and maybe been a part of the public gathering, but that there are eyes upon him. Right. And then he begins to speak to the grave. And this is such a great device for giving us a little coda on what's going on now. That some time has passed, right? So Oran says to the grave of Alma, though he's speaking to both. He, he does, of course, say to Ramza as well. He says... Delita and Avelia are wed now. A common-born youth restores peace to the realm, and now together with a princess, he forges a new kingdom. A tale of heroism, not like to be soon forgotten. I believe Delita may just be the man you said, pure of heart in the end. Ugh. He says, hang on. I know. When Valmafra revealed herself for an agent of Melande, he made it appear as though he'd killed her. That's like his move. Right. <laughs> and then let her run. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like he did with Oran's father, Sidolphus. And uh, he says, I think he must have caught a glimpse of himself in her. A tool manipulated by Lord Falmarv. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. So, so he's still a good guy, is Delita. There's nothing he could do. This is the end of the well, game. There's nothing he could do <laughs> that would make we're me think, get hang there. on. We're going to get to it. All right. Okay. 
But Oron seems to be under the impression that, yeah, everybody who was there in the final battle died because he asks about his father. You know, did he die bravely? Right. Then just sort of shakes his head and says, you know, I'll visit you again. Be at peace. And he begins to leave and kind of turns around and does the I still just I can't believe it thing. Then as he's doing the I can't believe it thing, well, then, and this is something, again, I would maybe have changed this a little bit, have it be months later. That maybe It's a little weird that they'd be writing right by their own sure. faked yeah. funeral. But Ramza and Alma do appear on Chocobo back. And so we see that, yes, yes, they are, in fact, still alive. And they have faked their own deaths. They've, they've pulled a move out of Delita's book, which is really the only thing they could do after everything that's happened. Right. And, yeah. And, and I kind of like the idea that everybody in the party makes it, right? Like Agraeus, uh, Rafa and Marek, uh, Meliodul, Sidolphus, and like Beowulf and Reese, and, and Cloud makes it back sure. into the live stream, and, and Balthier right. gets back to his own time, and Lusso goes back to St. Everest, right. whatever, right? Like everybody, Worker 8, everybody makes it. Uh, right. Which is why I want all the people I like to join the party because the safest place in Final Fantasy Tactics is in Ramza Bale's <laughs> right. party. <laughs> right. That's absolutely right. So, yeah, I, I like the idea that they made it and they moved somewhere else and they set up, I don't know, a homestead somewhere and they're gardening and fishing and doing pottery. Right. And then, and that's really kind of what this final scene suggests because Oron gives us a couple of the final spoken lines of dialogue. And again, they're not spoken by an actor, but they're, they're spoken by the character in, in the context of the story being told before the epilogue. And he says, they're alive. They're both of them alive. And then he says, thank you, Ramza. Yeah, because... For all that in history, King Delita Hyral has one of the longest running peaceful rules, right? Peaceful reigning of the kingdom. And is the history as far as the history is concerned, is the hero. Ramza's the one who protected us from the demons. And that's why Arislam at the beginning is like, I'm gonna tell you the, the story of the War of the Lions, but not the version you've heard, because the version you've heard is about the hero Delita, King Delita Hyral, you know, a commoner. Who, was, who became the king. But there right. was more to it than that. And Delita couldn't have done it without Ramza. Delita had no part. He had a part in a lot of things. He had no part in stopping the blood seraph. Right, exactly right. And so I love that, and you know, we talked about this in the Final Fantasy One episode about do the warriors of light deserve our thanks or can we even know to thank them? And there's a lot of that that resonates in this story, right? A, a history that most people don't know. And most people aren't going to know to thank Ramza Baelf. But Oran does. He does know. And so he thanks him with the final spoken line of dialogue in the game. I love it. It's so good. Uh, so then we get, actually, the epilogue. Where, as you were just talking about, we re return to the original framing of the story. And Arislam is now wrapping up the history of it and over this we see uh, just kind of a montage in either the old ps1 graphics or in the war of the lions one you just see ramza and alma kind of darting around in their chocobos much like at the beginning where you know chocobos were just riding aggressively to somewhere and we didn't mm -hmm. really know where 
they're just going into hiding, but together, and they're sneaking around, and it's cool. And over that, Arislam says, or writes, probably writes, <laughs> Ramza and his sister were not seen again. Oran Durai was left to ponder the mark they had left on history's page. I know not what brings men joy, of what drives them to great deeds, of what legacies they hope to leave, I know less yet. But I do know this, the true hero of this tale was the man forgotten. That's a quote from Oran. Uh, so it was all in quotes in case my reading of it didn't <laughs> yeah. I did my best Oran there so Arislam continues says Oran would spend the next half decade assembling an account of all to which he had bore witness his work complete Oran presented this account the Durai papers before the Clemencian council then convened for the selection of a new high confessor however the church fearing above all else the revelation for the truth seized Oran as a heretic and burnt him at the stake. But to Ira's point, you can burn a heretic, but unless you've burned all the books... Right. Make a copy. It lives on. Always make, make a, copy. a copy. So he says, The pen that inked them forever stilled, the papers then lay hidden for long centuries, forgotten even by the church that had concealed them. But I have found the truth, and so lay it for all to see, that his deeds might guide generations to come, that his name might receive the honor it is due. Arislam Durai, author of the Zodiac Brave story. Excellent. So Arislam, the descendant of Oran Durai, right? I um, wonder... So... It was, it was half a decade between the end of the war and Oran presenting his Durai papers. So the Zodiac Brave right. story is, is drawing heavily from the Durai papers and the scriptures of Germanique. Right, I'm sure he cited his sources very carefully. Sure. A very big uh, bibliography. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, I wonder with whom Oran had a child. So oh. there could be a descendant, right, to be Arislam. He seemed to be rocking around with Valmafra at the end of sure, the story. Absolutely. And then Valmafra is the one who yeah. protected the line of the Durai line. That'd be interesting. Right. They burnt him at the stake, but maybe she's the one who hid the papers right. so that one day they could be found. The extra copies. Hells yeah. So that's it for this she, episode. Thank you for listening. And and no. No. Damn it. Although the credits <laughs> are rolling now in our so roll credits. Yes. And, Ira, if that's the end of the story, it actually it feels pretty damn good. It does. It does. And it makes me wonder if, if Arislam's Zodiac Brave story does not include this very last post credit scene where right. Colonel Nicholas Fury walks out of the shadows and... Yeah, right, totally. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have post credit scenes. This was not a normal thing back then. I remember this really shocking me in a, for what happens, obviously, but also like, but, oh, there's But they did it more. with Seven, right? Because post-credits, Nanaki and his right. children uh, run right. up to see the overgrown Midgar. So yeah, it's a thing Final Fantasy did, at least a little bit. Yeah, certainly during that time for just a moment. And uh, 
obviously, well, others will not get into spoilers for that. But anyway, <laughs> we do get a, a mid or post credit scene, right? And it opened and is the very last thing that happens in the story. We open back at the courtyard of Zeltenia Castle, where we've often seen Ovelia out pondering. And there she is, out in the, the ruins of the chapel. And as many times before, she is joined by Delita, who, you know, we, we just heard they were wed, king and queen now. And Delita says, I thought I might find you here. Everyone's been looking for you. He gets off of his chocobo, and he's got a big bouquet of flowers. And Aww. he walks up to her, and he says, it's your birthday, is it not? I brought you. Yeah, I think it's interesting that he mentions it's her birthday because in gameplay terms, you can choose your birthday at the beginning. And then right. if you play for long enough, like your character will get older. Your version of right. Ramza will get older. And the Zodiac has a big part of it. And your character's Zodiac sign has a bearing on gameplay. So the fact that it is right. her birthday is yeah. interesting for so many reasons. Yeah. But before... Delita can finish his sentence without any warning whatsoever. In a flash, Ovelia turns, lunges at him, and stabs him right in the stomach. Gods, of everyone in this game who I would have expected to stab somebody, Ovelia was not on that list. Yeah. And do you suppose that's the same dagger uh, Agraeus gave her? I, I think, yeah, that is, that is to be inferred as well, yeah. And Delita says, Ovelia. And she says, how could you? You you used them. And all the others. And someday you'll cast me aside, just as you did him. Do you think he would have? Do you, th do you think he would have cast her aside one I day? I don't know. You know, she, she's basically making the point that, yeah, you've discarded all of these people. You, you made Ramza into a heretic again, presumably. Maybe this is she's upset that he's just burnt Oran at the stake for sure. political reasons. Yeah. You know, we don't... Who him? Presumably Ramza, but Delita has cast everyone aside. And I'm not sure he would have, but I get her anger here. Right. And he could choose. He could choose here. To accept that he has f***ed up. He, he has not lived up to his oath to Titra. Right? He's become right. the king. He's become what he wanted to tear down. Has he, like, created... Yes, he's going to have a long and peaceful rule, but has he created a more even playing field? Or has he just seized power? Right. And her, her objection here to what he has done is well-founded, I think. He did use all these people. And just because his machinations came out on top, we don't know that his machinations were better than necessarily, but his machinations came out on top. Does that mean he was right to do so? Even if he does have a long and peaceful rule. I think Ovelia is right. I think Ovelia is right to be angry at him and to take her shot now that she has it. Yeah. Because he started this game by kidnapping her, by using her as a pawn. And he has done it ever since. Go to your room, right? We're gonna, yeah. The adults are going to take care of things now. Why shouldn't she be uh, suspicious of him? So right. even though I kind of wish she hadn't done this because it leads to the next thing, she is right to call him out and doing what the bully says because otherwise they might hit you hardly ever works out well. 
Right. And so the next thing that happens, happens. Uh, Delita retorts by pulling out his knife and stabbing her back. Except that Ovelia isn't wearing gold-plated armor, and so he kills her almost instantly. She just falls limp and dies. And yeah, I you know I don't know that that was ever Delita's intention, or maybe she's right and he would have cast her aside and he would have done this, you know, but with forethought years later once it became convenient for him to do so. That that had been his move throughout sure. the game was kill people when they get in the way. We were just more okay with it most of the time because most of the people he was killing were awful, but. That's the problem with ends justify the means kind of thinking, right? Because sure. now we're not so okay with him killing somebody. Right. Now now he isn't killing Goltana or that random super snobby lord. Remember at the very beginning when he just set that dude up to get whacked just so he right. could take his position? Like, And we were like, eh, whatever, that guy seemed like a douche, <laughs> you know? But, but Ophelia didn't deserve this. No, e- even the, though she took the first shot, right? Yeah. And that it's his first instinct is to kill her, I do think gives some merit to that idea that, yeah, it was always in there. That he always knew he might have to, especially if she was going to out him for all the things he had to do to become king. Sure, yeah. Right? It, it really sours that whole legend of this common-born hero being heroic when we know that he hardly did like he did some stuff we were totally fine with but hardly any of it was heroic and so he limps away he falls to his knees and then delita gives us the real final line of final fantasy tactics he says did you get your end in all of this ramza i i got this And, man, I don't, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel for or about Delita in this moment. You you live in a mess you created, but it was also created for you. When they took your sister, when they treated you the way they did your entire life. But now you sit here and ask, you know, did you get your end in all of this? Like, you're the king. And there you sit in a pool of the blood of perhaps a woman that you loved because your deeds made that the only possible outcome in your mind like you you've you've lost yourself delita hyrule however peaceful your reign may be you're not the good guy you're not the hero 